Welcome to the Contracting Officer Podcast. It's not just for contracting officers. If you work anywhere in the government acquisition world, this podcast is for you. Today, we're talking about how confusing all the different types of rates can be in the government contracting world. And speaking of confused, somehow I got things confused while we were recording this episode. And instead of recording my voice through my fancy microphone, I was recording it through the crappy little mic in my webcam. Please accept my apologies for all the little clicks and beeps and the generally echoey sound while I'm talking. This episode is brought to you by Skyway Acquisition. If you're interested in learning how Skyway's team of former contracting officers is available on call for custom consulting, visit askskyway.com to set up a time to learn more. Okay, let's get started with our conversation about provisional billing rates. I was asked to be on a panel or a series of panels at a forum that a government agency held where they invite government contracting officers and industry contracts leadership to have kind of a roundtable discussion about confusing topics, kind of like we do on the podcast. One of those topics was different types of rates, and that was a good cue that we've never really gotten deep into all of the complexities and confusion in rates. That is a rabbit hole. <laughs> we're gonna we're gonna peer into the abyss today. Understanding how the price is built and how the costs are billed, it's critical. You have to understand the, the buildup of how the billing is happening and the overall cost is gonna end up being. If you don't understand it, both government and industry without context are just walking into an abyss. <laughs> That's what it can feel like sometimes. And we talked about that in the Why Profit Matters episode. Yeah, why it's confusing the difference between cost and price and what, what you're paid and what what part of that is your profit. Yeah, and as a contracting officer, I didn't realize the impact of all this stuff. I mean, I knew that it was happening. I knew that it was important. I know I know generally why it's important, but the impact without context is is brutal. Before we get into that context, let's stop and say thanks. I want to say thanks this time to Peter Rogers and Kyle Davison from Continuant. Uh, they're headquartered out in the Tacoma, Washington area. Thanks, Peter and Kyle, because they're liking and sharing our content on LinkedIn, and particularly for reaching out to me to talk about the podcast. The more podcast listeners we talk to, the more targeted and more effective this podcast becomes. Thanks, guys. Today, we're talking about types of rates. And there are, I don't know, a hundred different ways to describe rates and nuances to it that we're not going to talk about. We're going to talk about three things, provisional billing rates, forward pricing rates, and final rates. And actually today, we're really only going to have time to talk about one of those provisional billing rates, but we should give an overview of these three different types of rates. Then we'll get deep into the other two in future episodes. This is what I meant by looking into the abyss. <laughs> There's so many rabbit holes in this. So we'll keep it focused. We'll cover provisional billing rates today and then forward pricing rates and final rates and, and future episodes. So let's keep it focused today. I like how you said looking into the abyss of the rabbit hole. I just see this this rabbit hole with <laughs> no bottomless rabbit hole. Throw a rock in and you never hear it hit the bottom. What we're talking about here are indirect cost rates. On cost-type contracts. On cost-type contracts. That's a, good, that's a good point. On a fixed-price contract, you agree to a fair and reasonable price, and after that, the government stops caring what the actual rates are because they already know what you're going to bill. The contractor doesn't stop caring about what the actual rates are because that's how you make that profit that we talked about. 
And that, and that concept that we just talked about transferring is the risk. The risk of screwing up the rates is all on the contractor. <laughs> that, that's, we, we talk about in the risk episode, one of them. In, in this case, we're sharing the – actually, the risk is almost all going to be on the, on the government in this case. But managing this risk and managing it through these rates, that's the purpose. That's why these are so important. So cost-type contract means you are going to bill actual costs. The problem is you don't necessarily know what your actual costs are going to be at the beginning of a year. You have to guess, <laughs> not guess. You have to estimate, professionally estimate. Right? <laughs> professionally guess. So that professionally estimated and negotiated and approved guess is your forward pricing rates. This is what you use for proposals and you say, I believe I'm going to incur this amount of cost. Therefore, our rates are going to be this. Therefore, let's agree that that's a fair and reasonable price. At the very end of the contractor's fiscal year, you finally have all of the costs calculated. This is the actual cost. And at some point in the next several years, hopefully, you're able to negotiate those final costs with the government and say, yes, we all agree that these were the actual final allowable costs. Those are your final rates, and that's how you close out a contract. We're not going to get deep about either one of those today. We're going to talk about provisional billing rates. Provisional billing rates are the guardrails that you use. We want to avoid anyone owing anyone money at the end. So how do we do that? We try to bill exactly what our actual costs are going to be. So forward pricing rates, you've an approved guess at the beginning of the year what they're going to be. Final rates, what they actually are. During the period of performance of the contract, you're trying to keep your billings as close to what they're actually going to be as possible, which means you're not going to bill at your forward pricing rates if the basis of how you came up with that negotiated approved guess at your rates has changed. So you have provisional billing rates that keep you between, it's sort of the guardrails that, that keep you between the highest guess and the lowest guess of what your final rates are going to be. So you're playing with that all year long to try to end up exactly at your final cost. Impossible to do, but you want to get as close as possible. And here's the catch. If we guess high, meaning that we estimate the contractor guesses too high, then they're going to end up owing the government money back because they said our rates are going to be 100 and they're actually only going to be an 80. Well, that difference the contractor owes, which means they just got a bill at the end of the year that they weren't planning for. Likewise, if they guess low and say, hey, they're going to be 60 and they end up being 80, now the government owes the contractor. Both of those are bad for somebody. So that's the, the goal. You, you talked about the, the billing guardrails. That's why they're there is you're trying to thread the needle right between these two so nobody gets a surprise, or at least on a big one at the end of the year. We're focusing on provisional billing rates today. So there is a FAR reference for that. FAR 42704 is billing rates. Paragraph B says the contracting officer or other cognizant federal agency official or auditor shall establish billing rates on the basis of information resulting from recent review, previous rate audits or experience, or similar reliable data or experience of other contracting activities. It's a long one. Got to keep reading. In establishing billing rates, the contracting officer or auditor should ensure that the billing rates are as close as possible to the final indirect cost rates anticipated for the contractor's fiscal period. And in order to keep your billing rates as close as possible to the final indirect cost rates, the next paragraph says you can revise them. They need to be revised during the performance to make sure that you don't have that underpayment or overpayment, that nobody owes anyone any money or 
we owe the, the minimum amount possible at the end. So this paragraph is describing what, what I was trying to say with the, the billing guardrails. You want to keep your billing rates as close as possible to what your final rates are going to be. And if you have factors that influence your final rates, if, if what you base them on at the beginning of the year changes during out the year, you need to adjust your billing rates up or down so that you don't overbill or underbill. Think of this like your tax withholding from your personal income tax. When your paycheck comes through, your employer withholds a certain amount of that to cover your taxes at the end of the year. And the idea is to cover just enough. Not too much, so you get a huge refund, but not too little, and you end up owing taxes. So that's, that's the analogy here, is that it's just like the tax withholding on your paycheck. So you tell your employer you want to withhold, you, you want so many exemptions, which has it withhold a certain percentage of your income for taxes. What if during that year you have a baby? Or you buy a house. You're, at, you're adding a dependent. <laughs> That's what you're doing when you have a baby. Yeah. So. Things like having a baby or buying a house means that your tax situation changed and the amount you owe is going to be different. If you don't adjust your withholdings, you're going to end up withholding way more or way less from your paycheck than you actually need to meet the actual amount of tax owed. Your, ta your tax liability. I think that's the right way to describe it. And the other extreme, just as you're talking about having a baby, is if you're, you have a kid that moves out of the house and they're no longer your dependent. Well, guess what? You're going to get a big tax bill at the end of the year if you don't adjust your withholding. So your provisional billing rates are just like that withholding. It's You're trying to keep it as close to the possible in the end so no one owes anyone any money. Okay, back to the FAR. 42701 is the definition of billing rate, and it says billing rate means an indirect cost rate, number one, established temporarily for interim reimbursement of incurred indirect costs, and number two, adjusted as necessary pending establishment of final indirect cost rates. If you didn't have billing rates, just imagine if you had to wait until contract performance was complete and your final rates were negotiated before you could bill costs. They wouldn't let you bill your costs because we don't know what the true costs are. Imagine how horrible that would be. Billing rates allow you to bill during performance, based on your best estimate of what you and the government agree your final costs are going to be. And that's what 42.702 says, but it says it in more officially kind of words. More, more, boring, more boringly, <laughs> is that a way? Provisional billing rates, they're established by either the ACO, the Administrative Contracting Officer, or by Defense Contract Audit Agency if you're in the DOD. It's the DCAA. Throw out some more acronyms. And when I was a contracting officer, I didn't manage the ACO level contract rates. So I would have a contract. DCAA would just tell me what the billing rates were. So I never really had to think through this whole process, which is why a lot of CEOs don't necessarily know. If you have a firm fixed price contract, you never touch this. If you're buying commodities, if it's commercial items, fixed price items, you get a bid, you award a contract, they deliver it, you bill, it's over. You don't really worry about provisional rates. It's only when you're dealing with cost-type contracts that this comes in. And the longer the period of performance of the cost-type contract, the more provisional billing rates could cause an impact. In, in fact, one of my contracts, the DCMA, or DC, actually both, DCMA and DCA were in a different building. And they would give me an update on how the billing rates process was going and then let me know if I had to make any changes to the management of the contract. 
because this is a contract management function that the, you know, the customer, the program manager, the rest of the system doesn't really care about, but you got to make sure you're managing it right. That's a good point, Kevin. As a contracting officer, you're only dealing with one contract. DCAA, DCMA are looking at the contractor overall, and these provisional billing rates are by contractor. They're not necessarily unique to your contract. So they're in another building working all this stuff, and they let you know what those rates should be. And actually, if you're on a major system, you may not even deal with the provisional billing rates because the whole invoicing process and approval and payment might be handled by the administrative contracting officer. It might not even be something that you care about. Well, you, you care, but you don't work it. Yeah, you don't see it every day. And, and this is a bigger picture perspective to get because, yes, that contract is important to you and to your mission, and even to that contractor. But if it's only, say, 10% of their cost type contracts, this rate is being impacted by the other 90%. And you don't have time to look at the other 90%, which is what the ACO and DCA are doing. And that's why this is so important. Because the contractor is looking at the other 90%. Their, their finance department, to make sure the con- company's making money, they're looking at all of it. I remember a situation, I was managing a, a major system acquisition, like in the billions of dollars. So of course I'm dealing with a major contractor. That major contractor's billing rates were established based on the expectation that they were going to win another billion dollar contract during the period of performance of my contract. They didn't win that. Therefore, their rates changed. So nothing to do with my contract, but their final costs incurred were going to be different because the expectations changed during the period of performance. So suddenly there was a big change to the billing rates on my contract that I would have known nothing about. This is where DCAA says, there are new billing rates. Here's here's what's going to happen. And yes, that happens at the billion dollar, but it also happens in the tens of millions. I've had R&D contracts for, for less than $20 million where, again, it's it's a company that has lots of things going on. They're all cost-type contracts. This matters. And not knowing about it or not knowing you be t- you should be talking about it until <laughs> the, the rate comes. What, what did you call it? The the the, the, the bumpers, the uh, rails. If, you're out, if you don't know you're outside the rails, somebody's going to end up with a really unpleasant surprise. Right. I want to clarify. It's not just on billion-dollar contracts. It's, yeah. it's ones that, are, that can be – if you have a cost-type contract, this is something you should be talking about. Remember, the goal for your provisional billing rates is to get your billings as close as possible to what your final rates are going to be. So they may be higher or lower than your current rates in order to, to meet at the end. I'm going to try another analogy here. Imagine that you need to drive your car to a destination. You know where you're going to be. That destination is your final rates. Let's say it's 60 miles away and you need to be there in an hour. You're going to drive 60 miles an hour, mile a minute, for one hour, and you will be exactly where you need to be 60 miles away in an hour. Let's just say while you're driving, the location changes. Oh, now you need to be at a place... 10 miles farther down the road. So your destination change, your final rates have changed. In order to get there in the same amount of time, one hour, you need to drive faster for the second half of the trip to make up the extra difference. Same thing happens if the destination moves 10 miles closer. If you need to only travel 50 miles in an hour, but you've already been driving for 20 minutes, you're going to need to drive slower in order to get to that destination at the appointed time. So when you started, you estimated that the destination was 60 miles away. 
that estimate proves to be wrong because of other factors that have changed, you need to change the speed that you drive or the rates that you're billing so that you get to the destination at the same time. The movement of that destination is like we talked about before. The basis of the rates has changed. You, you won a big contract or you were projecting that you were going to win a big contract and you didn't. So now the basis, the reason why you're driving 60 miles an hour has changed. You need to drive faster or slower or bill at a higher or lower rate in order to meet at the end. I don't know if that analogy helped. That might have just made it more confusing, Kevin. <laughs> you know, I'm actually pretty good at having too many analogies, so. <laughs> You're going to forgive me for that one? <laughs> Sorry, this, this was your too many analogy episode. <laughs> okay, grant me one last analogy, but this is one that we use all the time that listeners might actually be familiar with rather than that driving thing. Where does this fit in the time zones? When we're talking about provisional billing rates, we are firmly in the execution time zones. This is the performance zone. It's you know also from the beginning where the honeymoon zone starts from contract award to the recompete zone to where, where we're ending contract performance. This is when provisional billing rates matter, not in the acquisition time zones. Let's circle back to why this is so important. Well, I, I think you just nailed it. Is, is we need to know where we're driving to. We need to know what the destination is, and we realize that it's going to change, and we have to adapt accordingly understanding how that adaptation is going to happen, otherwise known as changing billing rates or making provisional billing rates, it's key. From the government side, describe how this works. Well, it's the contracting officer's dilemma. The, the mission is done, meaning that we're at the end of the year, the performance has happened, the customer, the user, you know, the mission that this contract existed for is done, but how we manage those billing rates throughout the process means that the customer may end up with a big bill at the end that they're like, well, I already got my stuff. Why am I getting a bill? Or you're having to write a, write a letter to the contractor saying, hey, by the way, you owe me $100,000. And they're like, what? <laughs> you just paid me you know, a million. I got to give you 10% of it back. That's the dilemma is when do you have that battle? When do you have that awkward conversation? And rather than wait till the end, have it have small conversations along the way with your auditor in this case or, or DCAA who's managing these rates. So if you completely screw up your provisional billing rates, this will haunt you after performance is over, after, after you, the contractor has delivered what they were supposed to. You still have to care about that contract because somebody's going to owe somebody some money. Yeah. And remember, this is contractor specific, not contract specific. So the impact beyond your individual contract, and here's why that's important. You're waiting for the overall rates to get done for all their other contracts. And you may be sitting there waiting for your individual contract to get done. And why that's important is that I had that conversation with a customer a year after he had gotten his stuff. In this case, it was, it was a developmental item. So a year after he got his stuff, he's now in, let, let's make up fiscal years. It's, two, it's, it's 2015 when he got his stuff. He's got to use 2017 money to pay that bill. He was not happy. But it happens. Fortunately, it wasn't a lot, but still, it was, it's the principle of it. You can't be surprised by it. You got to be paying attention to how this works. From the industry side, this is just as bad. If, if you haven't been billing at the right rate in order to, to meet at the end as close as possible to your actual rates, you could owe the government a whole lot of money. If you've been overbilling, you basically pre-billed a bunch of costs that didn't turn out to be actual costs. Because it's a cost-type contract, you owe them money. So imagine going to the boss and saying, 
Yeah, we need to cut a $100,000 check to the government. I know you thought this was going to be our profit this year, but it's going to be $100,000 less. Or, or going to your spouse and saying that, so the withholding, yeah, I thought we we're going to get a refund. Turns out we owe four grand. Yeah, that's the same feeling. <laughs> same feeling. So, you know that vacation we we're going to take? <laughs> Before I stray into other analogies about missing vacations and why that is comparable to what a company goes through, let's wrap this thing up. This is provisional billing rates. This is one part of the puzzle. This is just the, the guardrails, right? In addition, we have the forward pricing rates, the, the what you call the, the approved guess, <laughs> right. the, 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 the appro professionally approved guess, and also the final rates that we'll talk about in future episodes. You start to see this is a rather important and complicated process that's going on while the contract is performing, whether you're paying attention or not. So it's important to pay attention and understand the pieces of it. The whole reason we needed to talk about this today is because it is very confusing. And depending on where you are in the government, you may not even be aware that any of this is going on, but it still could be like that poor program manager you came to a year later. It still could be something that impacts you. On the industry side, it's the same thing. You may not have much to do with billings or rates, but if you're a program manager and you find out that, oh, wow, we build the whole the wrong rates all year, and now that's going to impact the, the performance of the contract, the, the overall profit, the things that the program manager gets judged on. Ouch. could be very upsetting. <laughs> There's a word for it. <laughs> all right. I will talk to you later, Kevin. All right. See you, Paul. Okay, that's it for this episode. Thanks for joining us. You can also join us in the Government Contracts Podcast Network on LinkedIn. We'll see you there.